Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 81. It is officially November and it is almost winter time. Um, I don't know about you, but I am feeling like a bit nervous about winter. I sometimes get a little gloomy in the winter time and, uh, and especially this year with the pandemic and everything, I'm, um, I'm like, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm, I'm kind of trying to buckle up and trying to like, you know, make sure that I'm taking care of my physical and mental health so that I can try to, you know, maintain, um, you know, creativity during these winter months. I have lots of projects that I'm genuinely so excited about. Um, and I, and I really don't want to lose steam on those. So, um, so I've got my vitamin D gummies that I'm, you know, putting a lot of faith in for the next couple of months here. And I'm trying to exercise every day and trying to eat things that have good vitamins in them. Um, I hope you guys are doing some of that stuff too, unless you just love winter and it's the happiest time of year for you, in which case, you know, great, stay healthy, stay happy, all the things. Um, I actually do really enjoy winter, but, um, but in Utah here, it gets like, we get this thing called the inversion where, um, all of the pollution gets trapped in the valley. Um, and it gets really gloomy and like dirty outside. Um, I like winter when it feels like crisp and like bright, but, um, yeah, when winter is like dirty and pollutiony and like you can't breathe the air, um, that is a gloomy, that is a gloomy state of affairs. So, um, so I'm buckling up and trying to kind of trying to get ready, trying to stay creative. Um, Today's episode is with a new friend, Jessica Baines, who I talked with a couple weeks ago, and I just loved talking with her. She's just has great ideas and is just open and so cool. Um, so I'm going to read you Jessica's bio. Originally from San Diego, Jessica Baines holds a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Modern Dance from the University of Utah. Jessica has presented dance research at TED, TEDx Salt Lake City, United Nations Civil Society, and National Dance Education Organization. She has taught on faculty at the University of Utah School of Dance and the Ballet West Academy. She has also guest taught for institutions such as Brigham Young University, Weber State University, Dance for Parkinson's Disease, and Movement Exchange. Jessica has spent over a decade studying Irish dance and flamenco. Baines spent her teenage years touring through the Southern California region with the Sabor Andaluz Dance Company and various Latin bands as a flamenco dancer. Within one year of taking up modern dance and ballet, Jessica was accepted to San Diego School of Creative and Performing Arts. In 2017, Baines founded an organization called Healing in Motion Dance, which offers rehabilitative, did I say that right? Yeah, rehabilitative ballet classes to patients with neurological conditions that impair motor functions such as multiple sclerosis, stroke, and traumatic brain injury. Jessica further cultivated her interest in global dance diplomacy by serving as president of the Utah International Dance Exchange Program and conducting research on the physical and mental health benefits of children in the U.S. foster care system with the International Dance Outreach Organization Movement Exchange. Jessica's mission of promoting inclusivity in dance has brought her to teach at Center for Children Foster Home, San Diego Youth Services Summer Camp for Recently Adopted Children, 
National Dance School of Panama, Malambo Orphanage, Aldea Orphanage, University of Utah Healthcare, and several of her local medical clinics and senior centers. Baines also holds an authentic Pilates teacher certification from the United States Pilates Association and the New York Pilates Studio. She is a passionate, she is passionate about facilitating community and empathy through dance and performance and education. Um, hope you guys can tell from Jessica's bio how cool she is and how she's thinking out of the box about art and what it means to our society. And this is the kind of thing that I love so much. Um, Jessica and I really get into talking about this stuff toward the end of the episode um, because I have really similar thoughts about how singing and specifically like vocal control um, really changes how we individual individually move throughout the world so it's important and cool stuff um and uh, i know you guys are gonna like it so enjoy jessica great art almost feels like magic it opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly of course behind all great art there are artists and i think that's where the real magic happens as we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Today's episode of Artifice is brought to you by Bite Toothpaste Bits. Bite is the only plastic-free and totally environmentally friendly way to replace the paste you've used your whole life. When it's time to brush your teeth, you just wet your toothbrush, pop the little bit in your mouth and brush. It foams right up like magic. And don't worry, all of the packaging is recycled, compostable, and delivered with a low carbon footprint. I love my activated charcoal bits and thought this would be the perfect stocking stuffer for all of my listeners. So I reached out to Bite and got us a holiday deal. Head to BiteToothpasteBits.com and use promo code ARTIFICE10, that's all caps, A-R-T-I-F-I-C-E-1-0, for 10% off all orders of $30 or more. Make the switch to plastic-free toothpaste today. So I was just looking at your bio uh-huh. and I like, I'm so fascinated with like you starting in flamenco. Yes. Um, do, uh, but okay. Like let's, okay. Let's officially start. <laughs> do you have, do you have any, um, do you, before we like start, start, is there sure. anything that you know you want to talk about or like, do you have any questions for me? Um, yeah, well, so I know that I, as upon listening to your previous episodes, I recognize that like it's. I'm supposed to talk more about myself, but I am really interested in learning more about your experience and like how you have networked and met all of these different individuals throughout the years leading up or, um, throughout your time building this podcast. And well, I love it when my guests want to talk to me too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, I like it when it's like a conversation and then it's kind of like we get to share ideas. Um, but yeah, it's all, it's mostly about you. You're right. Um, (laughs) well, especially since this is our first time meeting, like I, I don't want to just be like that's Here's how me. I feel about it too like, it's like it's like we're at lunch but we're just recording like right so I, I I feel that way about it too and I think sometimes I interview people who are like why is she talking so much because I just like will impose my will on the conversation please <laughs> impose all of your will okay great <laughs> yes. great great yeah this is my mutual okay. reciprocal cool exchange. Yeah. I love it so I always ask people first about their childhood because I have I have a strong belief that like everyone is creative although you know 
maybe some kids are a little bit extra shiny about it. Sure. Um, and I really like to connect the dots from like, you know, we, we all are professional creatives now, but like trying to find where like those beautiful moments are that kind of like got you there. Mm -hmm. So, um, what were you like as a child? Like what kind of stuff were you doing? Where was there evidence that you were creative <laughs> and artful? Yeah. So I think, um, like a lot of people, my parents had a huge influence on my creative childhood. Um, so my, uh, my mother was, or is a, a physical therapist, um, and a Pilates instructor. So she's cool. always been, um, even though it's not necessarily, uh, the traditional form of artistic, she has definitely been involved in a lot of body work, which sure. is, has kind of paved the way to, um, my, some of my interest in the body yeah. and how that's informed my work now. Um, and then, but more, more traditionally, my father, who was um, an Irish immigrant here in the U.S., he uh, he was a professional musician. Um, he he did Irish music for a living. He came here in the 1980s um, as a show band artist, wow. like a like a kind of a rock and roller guitar yeah. player. He's a, um, he's, I was going to ask what instrument. So he yeah. plays guitar. Mm -hmm, okay. Mm -hmm. um, and so you know, he worked from, from home. He, when I was about four years old, he had a studio built as a part of our house. Wow. Um, not unlike this, but, yeah. uh, yeah, I remember when I was about like somewhere between the ages of four and six, there were like construction workers in, and he was very particular that the walls were not exactly 90 degrees right. and sort of the reverb. Exactly. Yeah. And the acoustics, cool. just very specific about the acoustics. And yeah, I love that you brought that up because mm -hmm. I feel like truly like these tiny, tiny things can really like diverge how we think about stuff. Yes. So, like just, just having this idea in your mind as a little, little kid about like the walls not being perfectly even. Mm -hmm. It just, I feel like that, I feel like I had some experiences like that where mm. it just, the effect that it would have on me would just be like, oh, I never would have even... Yeah. It just gets you curious in a different way. Completely, completely. Um, yeah, it, it is like a, that, that art, that creative mind is it, it, even though it is music related, it like goes into architecture and it starts bleeding into other facets of our. Yeah. It just gets you going. Like, I would never have thought that that was something would be something to do with my dad playing music. Right. Like just seeing how broad and also how totally meticulous like some of these things can be mm -hmm. yeah I mean I feel like I feel like those kinds of details for me as a little kid were very like what like yeah yeah, yeah absolutely um so when I was so when I was about like two maybe at the age of two um Riverdance was always on okay. on TV, always cool. on VHS. Cool. Or I always had it on because I loved it. I love that stuff too. It's it's a brilliant show, yeah. and the music is phenomenal. And um, my dad worked with some of the folks from Riverdance and uh, musically, and so. Cool. Um, also with him having the studio at home, there were always music artists coming in and out yeah. of the house, and I obviously was at home after school every day and we would have these singers from Ireland would fly out to commission or to do work. So cool. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> That's so cool. It was really fun as and a kid. While your mom is like this badass physical therapist. <laughs> you, you were in California. 
Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, I grew up in San Diego. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. I lived in San Diego when I was two. <gasps> no way. <laughs> way. Really? But I don't remember it. I mean, my my dad, my my parents were both students at BYU. Uh-huh. And then my dad finished law school and got a job in LA. Okay. At like a some kind of law firm there. And we lived in San Diego for like two and a half years but i was like a baby now that's still cool huh you're like you know california baby i do kind of feel like my that just bears barking which means my husband just got home so (laughs) pay no mind um what was i gonna say i do kind of feel a little bit of like i think because my parents like still like they had friends in san diego we went there a lot yeah Um, so i feel a little bit like I've spent some time in California. You can own that. I grew up in Arizona, so yeah. Oh, we're in Arizona, Phoenix area. Cool, cool. So it's it's like you know six a six hour drive. So we went to California a lot. That is but, super neat. Um, San Diego is way cooler than Mesa, Arizona. <laughs> well, I haven't. I have yet to go to Mesa, Arizona, but you, you could probably skip it. No. <laughs> oh i'm sure it's cool so that's awesome though like your mom is working and she's just being smart and like intuitive about like you know bodies which is also like like you said it's not in the arts but like it's a very artful kind of a craft yeah i i mean i so um i've since worked as like an aide and in a lot of different PT clinics and, um, also been her aide in her clinics and uh, as a teenager and watched her kind of do her thing, like even just things as simple as, or not necessarily simple, but, uh, diagnosing like a new patient, for example, it is very artful because you are constantly, um, doing this kind of, uh, process of elimination or trying to pinpoint a certain, certain thing which is very much what we do in the arts anyway like creativity is kind of this shaving away the noise to get to a certain thing right yeah so i i I used to have like really bad chronic back pain and went to a physical therapist it's okay it was like psychosomatic and i don't have it anymore oh wonderful Um, (laughs) i'm so glad to hear but i was gonna say like i had that experience with my physical therapist she was very like intuitive and very like you know, she, I can see how like the, the way that she was looking at me and thinking about the context and going through, you know, creatively thinking like what might be wrong with this person. Um, and then, you know, after several months, she was like, you need to go to therapy. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, there's nothing wrong with you. Uh, You're stressed out. (laughs) Yeah. You need to go to therapy. So I went to therapy and now I don't have back pain. Oh, well, I'm so glad it's, it's amazing how interconnected the mind and the body are. I mean, they truly are the same. This are pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Uh, every aspect of life yeah so you're watching your mom be creative and your dad is like your dad is not only being creative but you have all of these artists just around your life yeah and then what what happened oh boy well okay so um uh, I'm trying to think so like my one of my earlier earliest memories is my mom taking me to a Spanish festival in San Diego, as you know, like there's a lot of culture um, there. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but especially, you know, uh, Hispanic or, yeah. um, Latinx and all of these kind of, um, Spanish based or 
well, depending on who you talk to, um, cultures, but I saw flamenco for the first time at one of these, of these festivals. And as a three-year-old, I was just so enamored by the colors and the dresses and the, um, the movement and like how the, the, I just remember the ruffles and the skirts and how it accentuated the movement. Mm -hmm. And it could have been a, I am immediately gravitated to dance thing, or it could have just been, you know, Ooh, sparkly, shiny thing. Um, but that is like seared in my mind as like, oh my God, I have to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I started at around age three or four doing flamenco. And then of course, you know, being a half Irish kid, I was enrolled in Irish yeah, dance. And I, I, I was very passionate about that. And it was oh. very much a part of, you know, my, my culture, so to speak, yeah. since I grew up with Irish music around the home yeah. every single day. That's so like... I feel very romantic about this. Um, well, one thing that I love about flamenco. So my, my degrees are in jazz studies. Oh, wow. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of shared principles between flamenco and jazz. And sure. also like a lot of, you know, not at the very beginning of jazz, but when jazz started to kind of become more global, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of like fusion with flamenco and jazz. Yes, yes. And one thing that I think is really interesting about flamenco is it's, it's a, and it's, you know, there are other genres that are like this, but it, when you say flamenco, it's almost like, are we talking about the music or the dance? They have they their are, own personalities. Right. Well, and they just, it's a, it's a genre that is like equally like audio, like, like it's music you could put on a CD uh-huh. and it's dance. Like it's such a married, yes. like it's, you can't. Totally. I mean, the musicians are kind of doing their own dance with one another yeah. in, a, in a way. And then the dancers are making music with, totally, the, the, with their ca- feet. the castanets, yeah. the feet. Yeah, mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. I mean, totally. Um, it's a really fascinating, like, medium in that way, because it is the lines between like the dance medium and what the instrumentalists are doing is like, it's very... Like, I don't want to say it's blurry because it's not even that. It's just like they're I think what it is, is they're equally they're equally like so important. Yes. Yeah. There's it's not um, it's it's the word we use like in dance would be like, oh, you're a companist. Like they're not accompanying you. They are your equal. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Or like, you know, in swing music, I think maybe it's like, I'm just off the top of my head. Like, you know, the, the big band is like the thing and then people are dancing. Right. But like it's, it also is the other way. Like the, the instrumentalists are not accompanists, but also the dancers are participating in the music in a way where like a, the swing dancers are not affecting the music. Yes. But like with flamenco, it's like they're really participatory. Totally. Which is just cool as a genre. It's just cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know that I could think of something else that's like, Um, I mean, I guess like clogging is kind of similar in that way. I don't, I wish I knew enough about clogging. Yeah. It's very possible, but I just don't know enough. I also don't, I know, I don't know that much about flamenco, but I know more (laughs) about it than I know about clogging. Sure, sure. Just, just, I, um. A couple of my there there was like a Spanish exchange program with the university I went to. Oh. So I might also just as a jazz musician know more Spanish musicians. Yeah. Um, which might might also be why I feel like I know a little bit more about flamenco than Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I guess what I'm saying is I don't know if they, they act it actually is like adjacent to jazz 
no matter where you learn jazz, but it definitely felt adjacent to jazz to me. It makes sense. I mean, I, I don't know enough about jazz or jazz theory to, to, to confidently say that, but I know mm-hmm. that like there, or I imagine there's a lot of overlap, especially with all of the, the intricate rhythms that, yeah. um, flamenco introduces. Yeah. Well, I think maybe it comes from a similar like intention. Sure. Like maybe the thing that's like the rhythm, like it, it just maybe comes from similar like human impulse, but mm. who knows? I, like I don't that. know. <laughs> so I love this that like as such a little girl, how old were you again when you saw it, when you went I to the three. festival? Uh-huh. Crazy. That's <laughs> crazy. And you just felt like totally moved and totally drawn to it. And then your parents were like, let's find her a flamenco studio. Right. Which is also a really important component. Yes. I am very grateful that I have had parents who are supportive. Um, my mom definitely helped foster that flamenco side of things. Yeah. Uh, or like she, she doesn't have a Spanish background. My mom is Filipino, which okay. is why I look the way that I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, even though, you know, uh, uh the Philippines was colonized by Spain for several hundred years. And that's why I like all my grandparents and great grandparents are Morales Garcia and all of these things. Um, yeah. Uh, she's like, I don't even know where to start. So, so we just kind of went, we went, uh, instructor shopping, (laughs) finally found a mentor that worked for me for like over a decade. When you were going to this, was it a studio or was it like one mentor? Um, so when I was about, yeah, when I was, you know, four to five, I went to one person. And so in San Diego, the flamenco community is not very large. It's probably bigger in LA. Um, but yeah, there's really only about like three main kind of like heads that are like the go-to folks for that. And in a lot of, um, cities, like even here in Salt Lake, um, there are really only a few people who are, um, who really know. Yeah. Or identify as such. Okay. And so, um, I first went to this one instructor who was pretty well known and she was a good fit for me, but, uh, for whatever reason, I don't totally remember because I was young, we decided to switch because okay. we were still kind of Figured, looking around. Things, yeah, because yeah. I did want to take uh, did want to take my studies more seriously. Um, As of like a five year old, I just <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. I, I was like that as a kid too, very like very serious as a child. But yeah. I, what I'm kind of wanting to ask is like, I, I'm curious, like, was the teacher like sorry, what? Like, like, was it totally unusual to be like, I have this four-year-old who's like totally invested in this. Yeah. And and also (laughs) like my four-year-old is also not from like a Spanish community. Right. Like, I mean, was that like, were your teachers like, who is this child? Yeah, I do still feel like a little, and and then, and now I, I don't practice as much now as I did then. Um, it's more just like guest workshops and things for, uh, ballet cross training at this point. Um, kind of fast forwarding, but, uh, but yeah, I think as a young child, like my peers who were studying flamenco with me were children of Spanish parents or children of Spanish families. And I, I was Irish and Filipino and (laughs) grew up in California and I, you know, didn't know much Spanish, but I was still going to these Spanish festivals. And, um, 
where were we headed with this? I just am curious, like, <laughs> oh yeah, I had a lot of attitude. I had a lot of like, like sass that I think yeah. the teachers were looking to get out of kids mm-hmm. in that particular movement form yeah. was the, um, just this kind of personality of, and the stage presence and, um, I was all about that. Yeah. Wait, so are you saying they wanted you to do less of it or more of it? More of it. Okay, okay, Yeah, okay, I, I remember... You were like, I don't come from this culture, but, like, I'm here for it. Like, I can... Yeah. Like, it feels oh, like yeah. it's me. It feels right. I'm really... I'm so curious about this. Um, how do you, as, adult, as an adult, how do you feel, like, this experience of being, like, the different one in this <laughs> community... Like, how, what did that do for you? Like, I have to imagine that that just explodes your brain, like, with an awareness of, like, how varied people are. But, like, what was that like? Yeah, I mean, I think I was a bit insecure about, well, I think that, so it's sort of this dichotomy of, like, feeling special and feeling insecure. Okay. You know, being this odd one out, like, in the, in that community, um, I was, like, in the flamenco community, uh, I, I, um, I don't know. I think I was accepted enough and like in engaged enough in the dance and quite frankly, like decent enough at my craft that like I was accepted. Uh, whereas in Irish dance, I definitely felt a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A little, little bit more isolated because I I look phenotypically Asian, even though like I grew up Irish or, yeah. or with my father who's Irish and uh, spending every like almost every year in Ireland yeah. with my family there and just co- totally immersed in the culture. But like I didn't have a name like Colleen, like my other peers yeah. who even though they grew up in America and they, you know, uh, have never been to Ireland or whatever, yeah. they're, you know, little redheads or right. whatever. And yeah. so I just I think there was this sort of racial tension happening in my life as a young child or like as far as identity goes as a multiracial kid anyway yeah just little things like taking the census tests and or taking tests with the census part and having like are you white are you pacific are you asian or are you this or are you that and there was no option for both right and um i found that that really did manifest in my art of like who am i in this i'm i'm an asian looking kid who really loves uh, being the, like dancing, like a sassy Spanish dancer. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I don't know. I, I'm kind of rambling at this I, point, no, but you're totally not. I mean, I just, I think it's very interesting and, and it's, you know, I don't know if you heard enough of this podcast to know that this is a subject I'm always talking about, but like, just, I'm obsessed with like, applying creative thinking and applying creative um just like paradigm shifting and reframing to like things that aren't the arts mm-hmm. um and having this kind of experience where like you have your foot in like three like three cultures and like three different like very specific like, I don't know if I'll have the right language, but like cultures where like people have certain visual expectations. Of course. Um, so it's not even just like a culture as an art form, but a culture in like this very like we're expecting you to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just feel like as, as such a young child, of course, that makes you like 
aware of totally different things. And I don't know, the thing that I'm thinking is like, it must just prime your brain for like such a wide, um, like a way of ways of thinking about people and like not making assumptions about people. It makes me think you have like some knowledge that like very few people have. I don't, well, I don't know about that, but (laughs) I think it does. Like, I don't know. Like when you were saying that you felt accepted by the flamenco community, I think some, some people. Sure. I mean, I I struggle to imagine like people being mad at like a four year old who loves flamenco dance. But but I mean, even as a young person, if you thrive in any, in any craft, there will be people who are upset about that. Um, because yeah, especially if you're a happy person, like people that's also you're learning these like politics lessons as like a tiny baby (laughs) it's crazy to me i feel like you should definitely i mean i didn't watch your ted talk i didn't have time oh but you sent it to me today and i will watch it and but i'm i'm saying like you should write a book about this but maybe you like already are talking about it oh What, what was your ted talk about so that jumps into my college experience, uh, which we can, we can reconnect if you want. However, I okay. know. Yeah. I, I, upon listening to your, yeah. <laughs> having listened to your other, I know you're, I you like to go to, in chronological order. So I stay like a little organized. Sure. But, um, I don't mean to just like dwell on me as a five year old no, for two I, hours. Well, no, I mean, I'm doing that. Like, I don't know that you're doing that, but I just really am. What I was going to say is like, you know, feeling like you're, you're mostly accepted. I just feel like you know, whatever type of a community you're in, having a little child come in and be so pure heartedly fascinated by what you're doing. Like, how could you not just be like, I want to teach you about this. Yes. I love as a teacher now, I love it. Like it makes my day when I have kids come in who are like that. And I really only had a a couple in the last few years, uh, who, who like truly only about like two or three, um, who are sincerely so like have this raw hunger for it. And, um, it makes the time pass so quickly because that is all you want as an educator is to feed that, that desire. When I have kids come in that are, cause I I teach singing lessons and when I have kids come in that are hungry like that, it lights up my whole life. It makes everything worth it. It makes it all worth it. Mm-hmm. Like all the politics and BS, like, oh my gosh, yes. this, like, like it, I'm here for this child that just wants to know about their world and know about their, like them, their, their self, like mm-hmm. their, you know, their artistic voice. Yes. Ugh, and they show up to, wanting to work hard. Yeah. And they show up like wanting to, they want me to share with them and they want to share with me too. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. It's what is better than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm fascinated by this, like you, you simultaneously like sort of belonged and didn't belong to yeah. like, <laughs> you know, these two different art traditions that are sure. so rich and amazing. I just feel like I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that, like a lot of how you think about things now kind of. Sure. And I do wonder how much of this was actively happening versus how much I projected, you know, I yeah. think yeah, I think I was insecure about the way that I looked or the, you know, my, uh, my background or being 
Spanish enough or being Irish enough or being this enough or that enough. I mean, we're always, I mean, people like me, AKA people pleasers are, you know, wondering this all the time, but, um, yeah, it does make me question how much of that I projected on others as, as a, as a child, um, versus what was actually happening. I'm sure some of it was I mean, I remember some of it was very real. For but sure happening, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but um, I know a lot of it was just kind of me trying to navigate how yeah, I interacted I- with people. And your identity, like... Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so so how what, what happened? You got into flamenco, you were doing Irish dance, then what? Okay, uh, <laughs> then what? Um, well, I... So I... I started taking my flamenco more seriously. My mom was like, okay, you need to kind of start picking one. And, um, competitive Irish dance was, um, I, I loved it. I only did teams. I didn't do any solo, uh, competition cause it was just very expensive. And, um, I, yeah, it was very hard for me to choose one, but I ended yeah. up picking flamenco. Okay. And I studied that very intensely for, um, a couple of years under, um, an instructor named, uh, Stephanie Ray and her mother Gertie, and they were from, uh, Columbia cool. and they, I was talking to my, to Nick about this last night that, uh, their method of teaching was particularly special and it, it wasn't a flamenco studio, right? It was this kind of one-on-one mentorship. Like I would spend some summers with them and, uh, like literally live with them for an immersive experience and go to work with them. And And were they in Colombia? No, they were in San Diego. Okay. Okay. How old were you? I would have been probably about 13. Okay. So you were living with them in summers awesome. Tell, <laughs> and tell so me it everything. wasn't just, you yeah. know, studying, it, it, they would teach me about flamenco and have me like watch certain things, read certain things and study, study, like have lessons every day. And, um, it was, it was a wonderful experience and reflecting about it. It's, I was very, very lucky. Um, but they would like teach me how to cook and, yeah. you know, we talk about boys and like, yeah, it was a, yeah. it was very much like getting to know them as people and that, yeah. and I felt seen as a student, not just as a mover, but as a human being that, yeah. that was cared for and dance really informed that yeah. uh, as opposed to like, here's my personal life. Here's my dance life. Right. So right. it's very intertwined and interconnected. Totally. Um, do you have thoughts like in a kind of holistic way about these principles, like as an adult, like how, um, that was a terrible question. Like how, <laughs> how like the art that we do is like inseparable from like I mean, do you, do you have like philosophically like thoughts about that as, as a principle? Yeah. I mean, I think, well, my opinion on this is always changing and evolving depending on what point I am in my life. That's great. That's yeah. perfect. That's <laughs> ideal. <laughs> so like, um, the current thought is that, um, I think I've spent, you know, quite some time trying to dissociate my personal life from my dance life because you know when I am in personal social mode I'm you know I can I'm kind of free of this like hard work focus mode Mm -hmm. and uh, I think my experience in my first couple years of college I really was trying to distinguish the two like all my friends and everyone I lived with were all engineers and um I really made a point to really try and spend my time with people who were not in the arts so that I wasn't always just thinking about the arts right because I think to 
to go down the route of a professional career in the arts, you do have to have some like slightly obsessive tendencies in order to like become good at your craft and and maintain a practice of how many hours a day. Um, But uh, yeah, the more I... I trudge along. I trudge along in in what I do. I realize they're just they're interconnected. Dance yeah. informs how I interact with people, yeah. and or empathize with people, yeah. and um, it informs me about myself and the world around me, mm-hmm. and how the world interacts with me, and I interact with it. Yes, and so those lines aren't aren't really lines at all. I feel the <laughs> same way, and like the, like how you said in both directions. Like that's something I'm talking about this on this podcast all the time. Like, um when I talk about like art and artifice, mm-hmm. like I, I, I've said this a million times, but I like this word cause it's just a cool word artifice, sure. but also because like, I'm really fascinated by the private relationships we have with art, mm. um, that maybe aren't presented or consumed. And I feel very like, I want to know how every artist sees these things, but f- I feel the same way as you were like, m- my person, my private life, like my, my life, like whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. my, my self informs my art, of course, but like my art also really informs my life. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And I think we often talk about the one direction of like yourself informing your art. Of course. And I, I'd like to talk more about the other direction because it feels like that to me, like the exercise of making art, the exercise of uh, making art with other people, the exercise of consuming art in an art minded way, mm-hmm. like dramatically affects who I am in my life, how I talk to people, how I think about people, how I make or don't make assumptions about people. Um, and that stuff feels more important. Yeah, to me. absolutely. I mean, somewhat related is this idea that I've heard some dance educators say, which is dance is actually the last thing we teach in a dance class. Um, because there are so many skills which are communicated through that medium that transcend the medium of dance and inform how we interact with the space around us in our day-to-day life. Um, you know, there are the obvious things like time management and discipline and, uh, let's see, um, just kind of like teamwork. Taking, yeah. I was going to say like taking instruction, which is, yeah. yeah and yeah. taking criticism, that sort of yeah. thing. And then there are these kind of less obvious nuances of, you know, how much energy am I putting into certain activities in my life? Like, uh, like writing an email. Am I really right. putting a lot of, uh, bodily energy into something that I could really do a lot more efficiently and doesn't require the amount of stress I'm putting into it in that moment. Totally. I I talk about stuff like that with my students all the time. I mean, maybe less so my little kid students, but when I'm teaching adults, um, I feel like I'm really frequently trying to like a lot of what I'm doing is trying to, to convey the idea that it's not about the singing, like as much as like teaching you, you know, make this mouth shape or like, Mm. you know, handle your breath this way. I'm, I, in order to teach you to really do this, I have to teach you how to like, just think about yourself and what it is that you're doing in a whole different way. Like completely, completely. I really relate to, I've never heard that of like the last thing we teach is dance, but I feel that as a teacher, Mm -hmm. especially teaching adults. I feel like when you're teaching kids, they're so malleable that you can teach that stuff without like 
you don't have to talk about it. It's sure. just like they will soak it in. Yeah, it's implicit um, for sure. Yeah, but for but for adults like to really say like this is not like the practice of being an artist and being like an artistically minded person and like actively artful like it is not your lessons mm-hmm. and it's not even your practice on your instrument. It's sure. so much more. It's like Yeah you have to like just think in a different way and feel in a different way and um, Mm -hmm. evaluate in a different way. It is extremely mental and emotional as well. Like (laughs) even, even in dance, which is so physical, it's so, so mental. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't have those pieces figured out, like it will come out in these physical ways. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I know with singing, it's like that. Like, you know, when we talk to singers about getting rid of, you know, negative tension Mm -hmm. like we can say that we can be like relax your tongue you know Mm -hmm. but like your tongue is tense because of something that's going on in your mind absolutely i'm in the process of reading a book called uh the body keeps the score yeah yeah have you i have have it downloaded on my audible and i listened to about two hours of it and then i got too sad (gasps) oh my gosh that's what happened to me i got to one of the chapters and i was like i'm really triggered yeah i had to Cause, cause I had that, I had psychosomatic back pain. So that's yes. why I'm interested in that kind of stuff. Yes, totally. Totally. Um, but yes, I'm aware of it, but I couldn't, I couldn't finish it. I it's totally still understand. There. Like maybe there will be a, t- like it's still, <laughs> it's still in my audible library. No, I'm, I'm the same, but, the same boat. Yeah. I got to chapter eight and I was like, Ooh, this is very personal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had to be like, this is not a little scene. Yeah. 2020 is not the year to read this book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, I that the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been so interesting to see how artists are adapting to everything this year and how we're having to adapt. I don't know about, um, with your studies, I'm sure with, of course it's the same. Um, yeah. It's performing is, yeah. Everything is confined to a two by three inch square. Yes. Um, you were going to say something about that book though. The body keeps the score. Oh, uh, you don't have to, if you forgot, but I just, I, <laughs> I interrupted you. No, you're a okay. I think I was just kind of talking, but I, I was going to recommend it if not, because yeah. it seems like something you'd be just interested talking in. Talking about how body and mind. Yeah. Yeah. We're, I can tell we're both like, we're both in this, um, this subject of body and mind. And I would say even furthermore, like, like our mind is this abstract thing, like our self that exists in like this abstract space. Our body is this, is the physical you know, vessel in which this abstract thing, that's how we like to think about it. But of course, like, no, your mind and your body are not separate things. No, it's your, your body's um, not a, uh, vehicle to take your brain right. from meeting. But we, meeting. Like, that's how we talk about things in yeah. our culture. But like, of course that's not true. And like, you know, I would say like one step further, like yourself is yourself is like inextricably part of your like your outward physical space sure and your community and I don't know like yeah I'm so on one about thinking like uh, again like I said before like applying an an artist like a creative way of thinking to like how we solve community problems absolutely yeah I um I couldn't agree more We'll maybe talk more about it when we get to like, <laughs> so, okay. So you're, you're getting really serious about flamenco. I love this oh, idea yes. of like, you're talk you're living with these women and they're teaching you how they think and how they feel and how like, you know, this character of the flamenco dancer 
comes from the culture. Yes. Is that accurate? Yeah. So they are not Spanish, but they do, they are brilliant at, uh, in, in flamenco and what they do. And they do bring this, um, um, incredible Colombian flavor to what they do as well. Uh, since that's, uh, their background, but, um, yeah, I mean, (laughs) I have this memory of being six years old in in a class and they were yelling at me and they're like, be sexy, be sexy. <laughs> and I I literally said, what does that what mean? That what word? does sexy mean? And they're like, oh, it means sassy. And I was like, what does that mean? And they said, just like have attitude, you know? Yeah. And so I do, I have always appreciated this uh, transparency from them about owning your the strength of your femininity. Yeah. Um, and I find that it's very interesting to teach flamenco to students who are primarily of a different dance training background, yeah. like ballet, um, which ha- offers a lot of really rigorous um, technical skill as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very fun to see them shine in a way that is so... Um, embodied when they do something like a flamenco rumba where it's like very party oriented and seeing them kind of have fun Mm -hmm. like I do try to tell my ballet students you know I give you permission to have fun in even in a ballet class like it's so easy to forget yeah uh, when you get into the nitty-gritty of the of the craft so I have such similar experiences teaching voice students who come from a classical background to do jazz because I you know again it's yeah it's it's not as much about I mean it's part of it but it's not as much about your technique as it's about like this soul and this like um like imposing your personal like your will like imposing your like your voice and your body and your like um your story Mm -hmm. like that is it's not like something we add. It's like wrapped up in the foundation of like jazz singing. Yeah. Um, it's not like, it's not like we get the technique in order and then like add this piece. <laughs> like it's, it's not the icing on top of the cake. Right. It's, it's like very much the cake. And you kind of can't, yes. And you kind of can't even begin to do it or understand it if you don't get your mind there. Yeah. Like you will always be kind of like approximating something. Yeah. If you try to, yeah. And again, like these are such like these are fundamental ways of thinking about things that we're doing where like if you as an artist are aware that there are different there are totally different like rubrics or totally different ways of evaluating the quality of art forms, mm-hmm. um, then you also kind of you you also just automatically know that there are different ways of evaluating morals. And sure. like, you know, I yeah. just I feel the same way about it. Like we're just me- when we know as artists, like we measure the quality of this and that work mm-hmm. in, in totally different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like you, you can understand that like these paradigms can also just exist in, in people. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know. I've been thinking, I just been thinking about this this year. That makes sense. Yeah. It, <laughs> it is a year of reflection yeah. or not reflection, reflecting because right. there is just so much going that on. that reflection is easier if we're used to doing it? Like if you, mm-hmm. Jessica, are switching your like parameters and values when you are going into your flamenco class and then when you're going into your ballet class, like you know that there are, yeah. not to say that they're not, there isn't overlap. But if you have to channel like different parts of yourself. Oh, absolutely. For these different things, like it's easier to understand how like 
these people are believing this and these people yeah. are be- like, it's just, I just feel like it's, it's more intuitive <laughs> to like look at people and be like, okay, yeah, I see why you feel this way. Yeah. If you are used to like understanding the total variety of humanity. Yeah. I think it is, it's a <sighs> empathy, sympathy, and compassion are like all a part of a similar muscle that needs to be exercised regularly in order to yes. become good at it. Yes. And I think that, uh, creative thinking whether that's learning a new language and so finding new pathways to say the same thing or learning different artistic mediums, which is also finding new ways to say one thing or multiple things, depending on what the project is. Mm -hmm. Um, But that sort of creative thinking definitely helps is is a type of exercise to strengthen that muscle. Yeah, Yeah, completely. Hardcore. Amen. So, um, <laughs> retweet. So, yeah, totally. Retweet. Hashtag retweet. Yes. Um, yes, I fully agree. So, okay. So I know you got into ballet at some point. So connect yes. me from your 13 and you're studying with these women to like, yes, what happened? So, okay. So this was very much like, uh, so the next portion of my, of my youth kind of de- defined where I am now. I mean, there have been a couple milestones, but so, <clears throat> excuse me. Not COVID, We know she doesn't have COVID because she got tested yesterday. Yeah, Yeah, I got my results yesterday. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) As as of this taping, your girl is... COVID-free. Woo, yes, the way I like to be. Um, (laughs) God willing, I stay that way. Um, So what happened? Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. So uh, obviously, so I told you I grew up with uh, a lot around my dad, who was an extraordinary musician. He was phenomenal. He was like one of the he was a premier yeah he go-to guy yeah he he was kind of like the face of irish music in the san San diego and southern california community or one of the um like every year in march the san diego symphony would have him as their like premier guest for you know and they would perform his work and you know i i learned a lot growing up with him he he taught me guitar when I was 11 and I, I started to get really serious about it. And I, I was going to ask like, when it, I'm sure I, like, <laughs> not if, but when, yeah, when did you <laughs> totally, when did you study music? Well, he was very particular <laughs> about, about not imposing that on me. He cool. wanted me to ask. Yeah. And I was like, well, why didn't you start teaching me when I was younger? And he's like, I needed you to ask first because I was not going to be the parent who imposed that's My, so cool. Yeah, he was good for him. Amazing. And I grew up around him a lot and we traveled together and I I really attribute my knowledge of of my what what that which I do understand of the world at this point like is a lot is a lot from it comes in large part to my my world travels with him yeah. since that was really important to him and um the music that we had at, at home every night and yeah. um <coughs> Yeah, his encouragement of my dance career as a young person, and um, but when I when I was thirteen, he he died very suddenly. Oh no! Um, and that was that was very traumatic. Um, and so it kind of went from there being music at home all the time to it just not there not being music oh at gosh. all. So that was definitely a point of transformation in my, not only my life, but my artistic life and the two. Totally. Like it's this double loss, like Mm -hmm. your dad and also like 
yeah, this whole like community and yeah resource. I, it, I'm it, so sorry. Oh, I, you know, life happens as you know, but, um, it definitely informed the way that I interacted with art moving forward. Um, because he was the one to introduce me to so much. Um, you know, I had started to get serious, more serious about guitar and, um, music and, uh, I suddenly I just, I don't know, even to this day, it like it really makes me very, um, sad to pick up an instrument yeah. or to pick up a guitar because he and I were out, we, we were, yeah. we were about to go on a small tour together that, oh my gosh. that, that's December and you were 13. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jessica, that's too much. I'm sorry. Eh, well, um, but, but I can totally see how that, that medium is not like tenable. I mean, maybe it will be for you when you're like older, like who knows what you're so young, like we're we're so young. There's, I feel like I think about this all the time. Like I'm 32, Mm -hmm. which feels like, oh, I've lived this. Like, you know, I feel like, I feel like I can look back and be like, that was a lot of time. (laughs) Um, then, but then to know, like I have hopefully more than that amount of time in the, in the future. Yeah. Climate change, notwithstanding. Ah! Um, but you know what I mean though? Like, I know it really is. Um, but yeah, I mean, who knows what will happen with your relationship with music in the future. But of course, like it makes perfect sense that it's not a medium that is, um, it's just different. It is. And like, I have found immense beauty coming from living with two musicians now because this is the first time I've lived with professional musicians since living with my father and so now there's always music in the house and I feel like I mean not to get too um religious or spiritual and go for it but but I do feel like this is kind of my dad coming back into my life and in a gentle way and um I it helps me feel more connected as a human being to yeah. my roots too. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Oh, how do Ruby and Nick feel about that? They love it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, we're always playing music, dancing, singing. It's, it's a wonderful life. Yeah. Like, especially during quarantine, we had just moved in together in March when the I don't lockdown think I happened. Knew that. That's crazy. <laughs> I think well, I have it. I had it in my mind that you guys had been a little trio for like several years. Oh no, yeah, it's brand no. New. What, what? I mean, I like the word you used for him, which was instant friends. It just feel yeah. a lot like that. Yeah. Uh, upon meeting Nick and Ruby, I had only known for, I I've only known her now for about a year because um, we both did uh, TEDx Salt Lake City okay. talks and um, you know both being in the arts, we were like, oh my gosh, let's be friends. Yeah. And And so, yeah, uh, especially with the quarantine and 2020 being such a, yes, it was like having our roommate friendship be put in this pressure cooker, uh, for those, you know, for the last eight months. And so, you know, we crazy, we're like life friends now. I love it. (laughs) And just, yeah, like I can, I can imagine that being really healing and, and Nick's a professional musician, but works so closely with dancers. Yes. Like I can just see that 
and they're both pianists, but like kind of different stuff that they're totally. doing. Totally. And That's, so they'll do like, t- they'll do duets on their own. And, and then you and Ruby are both like educators and maybe yes. a different way than Nick usually is. Yes. So That's, the three of us, like we all have interactions with like bonds that like help on each other. Yeah. Um, independently, so but cool. we all have these things which fuse us together. So the point it. is you'll yeah. have to come over for dinner yeah, no, soon. I want, to, <laughs> I want to so bad. Please, please let me. Yeah, um, please go. I would, I would genuinely love to. Good, good. I'm not like introvert bullshitting you. Yes! Like I genuinely, yes. cause I feel very safe. Like I feel like I can already tell, like it's not a situation in which anyone would expect me to be raucous. Oh my goodness. No, <laughs> like come over with your sheet music. Oh, and I suddenly, <laughs> suddenly you just take on the classical pianist. Right. It's like I don't even your- play classical piano, but <laughs> maestro. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, okay, so you, you kind of stopped playing music when you were around 13. Yeah. And then so, you had these, uh, go, go, no, no. you go. It's, I'm not, I don't need to tell you your life. No, go no, ahead, go I, ahead. but I appreciate, like, it helps me understand what I'm putting out and yeah. feedback coming back in. Okay, good. So, um, so yes, this, this sort of, this tragedy, um, happened in my life and I was sort of, uh, mentally and emotionally absent for about a year um, or so. And in the meantime, I was still doing flamenco. I think that was a big, um, I don't know. I think that was something that was really important for me to stay consistent in. And I started taking that a little more seriously and that, that duo mom and daughter like would start taking me out on professional gigs because I was old enough. I like, I'd kind of hit puberty at that point. And so I would like... (laughs) As a 13-year-old, in order to work in the Tablaos in Southern California, Tablaos are like uh, Spanish uh, flamenco clubs okay. and venues. If you if you look on YouTube, like a flam- type in just like flamenco dancer and okay, musician, cool. you'll see them in these kind of eateries and these clubs okay, cool. and those are tablaos cool and in order to work in those as a 13-year-old, um, I would... <laughs> they would put me in these bras that were too big for me and like stuff them and like put my makeup so I looked older (laughs) and um I would just say like oh yeah I'm 18 and with my very limited Spanish I'd be like oh okay I'm just good and so I would yeah I would I would work in the tablaos on the weekends and like I think that artistically fulfilled me because it was not only fun but I felt like I was doing something serious with my art form that I'd been studying for so long um but it also was this transition from middle school to high school so Mm -hmm. there was just so much change happening in my life from you know my father passing away to moving out of his house to you know um moving into high school and being an awkward teenager it was a very awkward time and um I can't imagine you being awkward Oh, that is so kind. <laughs> well, that well, we'll get to know each other more. I always feel like dancers are so, like I feel like dancers are like this whole other thing of like just this poison grace all the time. Oh, I don't know if I'm that stereotype, but I I pretend a it lot. It looks like that to me. Oh. Like just like just your posture is very graceful. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. Um, of course. Yeah. And then, and then I kind of veered away a little bit from the arts cause I, I was just so heartbroken yeah. and, and I think I was self-conscious about doing the, uh, being in multicultural dance in high school because it wasn't like, it wasn't soccer or ballet mm-hmm. or this or that. And I just, 
it was it didn't fit the box of like things that people that kids do in their extracurriculars like I put on a giant polka dot dress and like and am loud and take up space is not something that I want to advertise as a teenager who likes to wear black and not take up space. Sure. And I get that. So, yeah. so, so there's this identity kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But in any case, um, I, so I, I went to high school to a mainly sports oriented, my local high school. And I be actually joined the track team. I got onto varsity track up at my freshman year and cool. was a sprinter. And, um, I really thought that I was going to do that for a long time. Um, cause I started getting college scholarships as a sophomore cool. for sprinting. And I was like, wow, it was very bodily focused, which yeah. like, I, I find this theme in my life that I'm just very interested in what the body can do. Cool. Um, and so, you know, how fast can you push your body to go was yeah. something that really intrigued me for cool. those two years. And then, and then I, you know, I I grieve my father every day but at this point I was like man I really I really miss having music at home and that artistic influence in my life and there's just not enough artistic stimulus in my environment and um so I'd kind of had my eyes on San Diego School of Creative and Performing Arts okay uh it's a high school it is. Okay. It is. But it's it's very much like a rigorous cool. program yeah. um, where you stay. Oh, excuse me. I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. Um, <laughs> you stay like you train in your core subject. Like you have a major that you pick and you train in those classes cool. several hours it's like a, a day. like a college, college format, but high school age. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, so I had had that in the back of my mind, but I was like, oh, they all do ballet and modern dance. And that is, I don't do that and did you feel like you liked it but you just felt like you couldn't do it or did you feel like I don't know if I'm into that both okay both Uh, yeah definitely like the the latter I would say like um I don't know that's for me yeah yeah because you've been doing these like very independent kinds of right art study yeah and I I was like it just sounds kind of lame and like I was ignorant I didn't know Uh, Yeah, I mean, as many paradigm shifts as you had, that wasn't one of them. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And I felt like I was confused for that a lot. And so I was just annoyed, like that my peers in school would be like, oh, you must do ballet. And I was like, oh, I'm not like I see me. Yeah, right. I I, get it. it, Yeah. Yeah. And so I just I think I tried to so hard not to be that that I never explored that. Mm -hmm. And so then when I was uh, 15, I started taking ballet classes like secretly at my local studio to yeah. prepare for an audition oh my gosh and um secretly. that's so funny <laughs> like <laughs> as if really anybody would really care but I totally no, I get know, that I totally I, I totally get that because when you're a teenager like I mean I meet teenagers sometimes who are totally confident and I just feel like how did you pull that off but yeah when I was a teenager I was <laughs> so insecure and so self-conscious and so like what are people thinking Mm -hmm. like I could barely sneeze in front of people like you know I just felt very like yeah so I I can totally I can totally imagine yes this situation of like I'm gonna take ballet on the DL yes (laughs) that is exactly what was happening nobody would but I uh, yes I was enrolling in adult beginner ballet classes at my local studio just to like see if I could if I could handle it and like hang and, um, I couldn't the first few classes. And so I would just go in my car and cry for like half an hour. Cause I was, was this on the DL from your mom? 
or um, just from your peers? Um, no, I think I told my mom. I mean, you were paying for it. I was like, yes, was, were you I was paying working for it? As in high you school. You were paying for it. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, I don't totally remember I, um, enough, but I, That's I think ballsy. my mom knew. I mean, I feel like even just being a 15 year old or 16 or whatever and paying for your own covert ballet classes <laughs> is pretty like that's pretty ballsy like i don't know i think it is i mean like okay taking ballet on the dl is maybe not ballsy I but like so embarrassed that no, it i love it the way it does. i know i love it i think it's the best thing of all time <laughs> Um, it's so human which is like this oh, is my point because i'm like i'm in a lantern but this is my whole point like this is why i like this is why i want to talk about people's childhoods and teen years because we talk plenty about our adulthoods and it's not that important development doesn't happen there yeah but like seeing the like little chutzpah that's happening in like <laughs> i'm going to fund my own secret ballet classes like if from an adult perspective like this there is silliness about this yes but from a teen perspective i can totally imagine it being like i don't even know for sure if i want to tell my mom because i don't want like i just need this to be my i just need i just need to figure this out it's not so much that it's like i mean i'm totally guessing but like i can see a teenage like a like a non-complete teenage mind (laughs) feeling like this is how i solve this problem of like i'm gonna test things out but i'm not ready to own this right like if it goes south i don't want anyone to know i ever started yeah which i i still do as an adult like i don't want anyone to know that i applied to this i do that too yeah Yeah. it's a very i'm trying to be better like talking about the the messiness of the beginnings of things yes Um, it's so important because i do i do love that like i throw i I privately throw myself into things all the time that are potentially extremely embarrassing. Um, I think that's beautiful. I, I truly do. I do too. And and it's so, which is why I've been trying to talk about these kinds of things more. Cause when other people tell me that they throw themselves out of their comfort zone, I'm like, yes, like I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's like, but when yeah, it's happening but, to you, it just feels yeah, you chaotic. Don't want other <laughs> people to be like, what is it that you're doing? Yeah. Like you kind of want to wait until like, you polished product it out is, enough. Yeah. 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 But I think your polished product deserves to have its backstory told. Sure. Sure. And this, this is the, yeah. And this that we're talking about, this is the backstory at large. Sure. Of your like career. Yeah. Um, so no, I, I love that. I think it's very like self-advocating and very like, it is creative. Like it's creative for a teen, for a teen mind to think, I'm going to use my own money. I'm going to sign myself up for these adult beginner classes. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about this performing arts school. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's teenager mind, (laughs) but it's pretty cool. Teenager mind. Yeah. I was proud of myself. I mean, like I was mortified that I looked the way and didn't, I did, I was, I think I was so embarrassed that I was going into a beginner class and failing so poorly. And I, I don't know why I put so much shame on myself for not knowing things like as an, as an educator now, I really try hard to not make students feel shame about that, which they don't know, because you can't know what you don't know. Well, are you familiar with Carol Dweck's work? She wrote Mm -mm. like mindset. Mm -mm. Um, I'm sure that you've heard, like if you're doing a Ted talk, 
like you have heard of i'm sure okay. this is like because it's so it's so ted talk um and it's so like educator sure um but she talks about like her, her research is on like a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset oh, yeah uh-huh. and it's really difficult to have a growth mindset as a kid because you just have such limited data yes but when we feel shame about like being bad at something we're just starting it's because we have this fixed mindset thinking like if i'm bad at it now i'm bad at it always right which of course is ridiculous right but you just don't you don't always know that of course yeah and i i mean like i maybe i must have known that somewhere deep down that even though i wasn't i wasn't you know, proficient. I wasn't, I just wasn't proficient yet because I kept going, even though I would have the meltdowns in my car afterward, I like kept going every few days. And also badass. Ah, thanks. It is like, especially as a teenager, like overcoming that. I mean, again, like I feel like talking about our teens is like whatever, but I think it's so important because these are the places where people give up. Like, Like that crying in the car, Mm -hmm. that's the place where plenty of young dancers or whatever Mm -hmm. don't go back. Yeah. And so telling the stories of how we're like, yeah, I was devastated, but like, I don't know, like telling that, I think that's really important. You know, I don't know. I, I feel like it's really important. Yeah. I think it does tie. I mean, I don't know. The line between stubbornness and resilience is very fine, a very fine line, but (laughs) one of those things got me back in the studio. Um, I can't relate to that more. (laughs) Yeah. Couldn't relate to that more. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, in any case I auditioned for the school and I got in, I, I came with, I did, I did the ballet class and the modern class and the, um, uh, flamenco solo and I was accepted and I started at the junior level. Cool. Um, and then from there I was very fortunate that I had some instructors at the school who saw promise in me, um, because I'd had that, that training and that cultivation of stage presence and Mm -hmm. the ability to connect through movement. Um, even if it wasn't through ballet through ballet or modern technique, your abstract art skills were like well on their way. Right. They were like, so these are the things that are usually cultivated after a strong technical foundation, but you need to do the reverse. Right. And so we already talked about this. It's such a thing. Right. And so they said, you know, they, they really helped me, uh, find my path and, uh, led that's what led me to go to different intensives like the Lamone intensive um or just different summer intensives that kind of helped me yeah. navigate my path and some of my mentors in those intensives would say like hey you've only been doing this for six months like you should really consider studying this in college which is what I've done since then I got my my bachelor's at the University of Utah for modern dance and awesome um yeah um can I ask like what what was your mom doing during like, what did she think? What did she think about what you were doing? Like, yeah. So, um, when I first got it, so that fall when I had started at the performing arts school, my mom actually got diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh my gosh. Um, so she, I mean, she'd always been super supportive. Um, like she was emotionally and mentally and all those things, extremely supportive, even if like physically she wasn't really able to, um, be present all of the time. Um, but yeah, those, those couple of years in high school were, were kind of rough because I had just lost my father and then my mother was ill. And how, how, how did you do any of that? That's, I think the only choice was to do that. Yeah. 
I, I mean, the motivation for 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 us doing our craft always changes in order to keep it interesting. But in that yeah. point in my life, it was an escape. It was for a, sure. like a lifeline. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like I need to have a purpose and do something yeah. so that I don't fall down the the spiral of yeah. of this darkness. But but she was supportive of you pursuing the arts. Yes. Okay. Yes. Especially since my father was an artist yeah. and he and I were inseparable and yeah. she had helped. She was always very supportive of him fostering my artistic uh, self. Really beautiful. It, yeah. And, and she knew it was a way for me to kind of connect with my upbringing and my father and in, yeah. a, in a sort of abstract way. And so yeah. she, she's really been incredible about facilitating she's okay she is she is she had a year and a half of chemotherapy um and a mastectomy and uh yeah she's she's all good now she's good. been i think totally she just had her five-year awesome her five-year healthy benchmark that is so scary uh, my mom died when i was 20 when i my mom got brain cancer when I was 28. I'm so and sorry. It's okay. We, ha I have a very different, my mom was like a very toxic, abusive person. So oh, sure. it's sorry. not like hearing you talk about your dad. It's not the same. Like it's, I didn't lose, like I didn't lose like a part of my soul, you know, mm -hmm. in that kind of way. Not that you lost a part of your soul, but in I think you ways, know what I mean. You know yeah, what I mean? I, I mean, there's um, truth to that, but I was just going to say though, like it's still a complicated relationship and yeah, so it's a different kind of, it's a, it's a different kind of loss. Yeah. It's a loss of like hope versus a loss of like something precious. Sure. Um, I guess hope is precious, but again, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, but I was going to say like, she, she died when I was almost 30 and it, 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 rocked my world just in terms of like mortality yes. and like I can't imagine like losing your dad when you're 13 and your brain is still so undercooked yes and then having yes. your mom get sick yeah like that is so terrifying like that's terrifying in like a an existential I might lose way my kid, I might I might be an orphan kind of a way yeah. and it's terrifying in a like how how fragile is my life kind of yes, way. I definitely, it's been really interesting pursuing a life as an athlete in like trying to push my body to do as much as it can possibly do. And then some, um, when I find that my body is so fragile, yeah. um, which in college, like my, within my first six weeks of college, which is kind of what the Ted talks about. Um, I actually sustained a, a head injury oh and, um, and so I, I'd already been like a little bit, um, paranoid that like I could die young because both uh, of my, of course, you know, yeah. and, and I know that some of that is not rational. It's kind of doesn't this, matter. Right. <laughs> yeah. Post-traumatic anxiety about, yeah. you know, my previous experiences. And I hope that this isn't triggering for you or no, anything. No, no, no. I just, I'm so fine. Okay. Yeah. No, I um, just like, I just am, I'm just, I'm feeling that for oh, you. Like that's just, you. That's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, um, and again, as we're talking about resilience, like it's not unimportant no, like, to it, acknowledge that like you're becoming an athlete, like being fully aware of like, mm -hmm. how do you push your body to the limits, but never pass those limits? Yeah. Um, and where do you, how do you find that where those limits are without exceeding them? I think is a really tricky calculation every time. And sometimes we miss. Well, and like, my sister-in-law is a, is a 
she majored in ballet at the U. And oh, very um, cool. Yeah, she's amazing. And she, but she had a career-ending injury in her last like semester of college. Like Ugh. it was like right when she was starting to like audition look. for jobs and things. Yeah. Ugh. And she tore her Achilles tendon. And oh, that's so important. I know. Well, I know. And and I, sometimes I just think like sometimes I think about the amount of faith that we have to have in like mm-hmm. our bodies in yes. order to take these kinds of gambles that we take. Yes. And like I, I'm a vocalist, which is also physical. Mm-hmm. It's not the same. Like sure. it's much more like there there's, well, I don't know. It's not athletic in the same way, but it's athletic for but those muscles internally. It's, absolutely. Yeah, it's athletic for those few muscles. But yeah, I mean, I think sometimes about like how risky that is, like how much of a gamble that is. And I guess it's the same no matter what you do, like, mm-hmm. you know, if you could have a brain injury or, you know, like who know anything could happen, but yeah, like I, I really think we, we learn to extend a lot of, a lot of faith Yes, for like what our bodies are going to be able to keep doing. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's very scary. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, yeah. <laughs> but it's exciting yeah. too. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think that, um, dance has also been a vessel for me to to heal some of that anxiety of uh is my body as fragile as I think it is based on the experiences that I have had um and so even something like a after after my head injury I really started falling in love with a type a, a style of dancing called floor work which works with um rolling around on the floor and you know doing rolls on your shoulders and your head and working where in a in a from a perspective where you're upside down a lot um because that is a place that I had a lot of fear being I a lot in existing because some awful things happened on the floor and so kind of re reconnecting with the floor was very healing for me and experimenting with um more acro based styles of movement, um, that are not only aggressive, uh, in like fast and powerful and strong, which I have felt timid beings post injury, but, um, but working in different planes of motion so that I become better acquainted with them and friendlier with them (laughs) rather than just standing upright all the time and they feeling like, okay, I'm safe here. Yeah. (laughs) I can, I can totally like I can totally see that. I, I don't know if the right word is relate to because I haven't had those same kinds of experiences. But no, but there are different planes to everything we do. Well, I think that's my point. Like, the you know this thing that I'm so obsessed with, which is you know just paradigm shifting. Like just going. But what if we look at it this way? And like, what else can we try? And like, sure, uh, there is nothing that I'm more. There's nothing. Bless Excuse you. Me, I'm so sorry. <laughs> How dare you sneeze? Um, <laughs> there's nothing that's more like just like feels like vital and like yeah. forever interesting to me than totally. those kinds of ideas. Cause it just, it just makes the world huge. And it, it, it makes me feel like, so I think uh, this is how I'm relating to what you're saying. I'm curious what you think, Please. but feeling like, you know, when I feel um, stuck and, and I have PTSD and like, sure. I've got some things, you know, I've got like some stuff, um, 
<laughs> no longer Don't we is, all have no longer, baggage? <laughs> totally. No longer is one of those things chronic back pain, but you know, oh, there's I'm things. I'm so glad that yeah. that's not a thing for you I'm anymore. I'm so glad too. I was just talking about it with my husband the other day. Like, do you remember, like we were just brushing our teeth and I was like, do you remember when like, I used to have such bad back pain that like I could hardly think about anything else. I'm so like, glad you're was, in a point at a point where it's remember those days. I can hardly remember it. Like it, it feels like another. I mean, and it was not that long ago. Like I started going to physical therapy when I was like 27 and I'm 30. I'm turning I'm 32. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, within not like just not that long ago. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it was the kind of thing where I felt the way that I felt was like. I'm never going to feel good in my body. Like it was, yeah. you know, and it I, does feel like the hope diminishes the longer it persists. Yeah. And I felt Absolutely. like if it's this bad now, like how could I possibly ever be mm. 50 years old or, but I mean, all this to say, like, it's really, it took even that problem. It was, it was in my mind, you yeah. know, like I didn't have like something wrong with my spine, you know, like yeah. I had like, but I mean, in some ways there was like, totally. I mean, even I had, though it wasn't technically, I had CPTSD and I had like a really bad anxiety that was like extremely internalized. It's I, like it's high functioning. Yeah. But that's still so real. Like yeah. it is still there even well, it if was it, super real, but yeah, yeah, but my point is like, it took me having a paradigm shift Yes, and go, like, that's all, that's all it took. I mean, not to minimize like how intense a paradigm shift is, but all, <laughs> all it really took was me going like, and then all that happened was my life changed. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, to, or like how intense it is to like will yourself into a paradigm shift. Yes. But like, I mean, really, like I didn't do anything. It's not like I had this new exercise practice or like Mm. changed my diet. I mean, like in terms of external, there's very little change that happened in my life. Sure. Um, So like because I've had some of these kinds of experiences where for whatever reason, like internal, external, whatever, I kind of have learned that like I've kind of learned that the answer is frequently right there in your capability. It's just like a reframing. Yeah. Um, which sounds like what you were doing too. Like, yeah, I'm reframing how I think about what dance is and how I think about like what the floor is and what these movements can be and should look like and might look like, Uh um, which is, it is very resilient and it's very creative. (laughs) Right. Well, I think those two work in tandem and they're partners, right? I think, resiliency demands creativity even if it's intellect if it's mental creativity to cultivate that resistance yeah absolutely like it's about like thinking about what other options do we have like what can we do what can we try like if this path that's in front of me feels impossible for whatever reason like what other path is there yeah or like maybe it's not even thinking about another path and maybe it's just thinking like what else can I like you know put on myself to like get me on this path that seems you know there's always I just really believe there's always something yes but sometimes it just takes like a like a hacking you know like just a little okay so you're very young I am I'm 22 okay so we don't have this whole decades-long career to talk about no (laughs) <laughs> which is fine. Like I feel I so if you did have a decades long career to talk about, we would have to do this in two parts because I've been so interested in your up until age 18 sure. that like I would be so overwhelmed as an interviewer if there was like, Oh my gosh, we have another 25 years oh, to talk no. about. Uh, Cause no, in a, like in, not in a way of like, I can't do it, but in a way of like, 
can she be here for five hours? Oh. You know, <laughs> more more that like I would be like I would be overwhelmed. Like I have to, I need to know. Oh, <laughs> like, I need to know all the things. I don't mean it like oh my gosh. I mean it like. Uh. <laughs> like sure, is, sure. Is she gonna need to come back? Oh, because um, um, I could fortunately talk for, for you, hours. I have not been alive that long. Okay. <laughs> so my question is, what do you want to talk about? Like with yeah. these last, you know, couple of years that you've been out of school or well like, I feel like the last few years have actually been what like these college years have been m- what has defined my path up to now more so I mean it makes sense since they've been the most recent years but uh I've just had a lot more access to um larger and more specific resources yeah. uh being at the University of Utah with you know it being a research one school and all these different things and even since doing the TED talk, like I've just met so many, so many more people that have informed the path that I'm on. And to be perfectly honest, I'm still navigating my own professional life and how I make a living as a dance artist. Like, am I a dance artist? Am I a dance educator? Like, what does it mean? Am I, um, am I teaching it because I have to, or teaching because I want to, like, there are so many questions that are flying around in my mind as I'm, as I have just kind of just graduated college in the last two years. Um, I'm still in this floating period. I mean, it's already feels like we're floating because this year is, Oh my gosh. This, the what climate is this year, of course, the like political climate and the, just this blanket of COVID on top of everything and yeah. the anxiety that comes with that and the arts starting to shut down and, yes. or this emergence of, of technology, tech, uh, digitally integrated yeah. technology, <laughs> um, in the arts yes. or like digitally integrated arts yeah. is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, so in college, right. I did have that injury and, and this is this, that information is a lot more available on online. I'll since... attach the Ted talk to okay, all the cool. show notes. Yeah. Yeah. I just, thanks. And Jessica sent it to me this morning. And I, I know just, it's so less. It's fine. <laughs> I just, I wish I could like, I, I, I would probably have thoughts about it, but, um, but don't I'll, worry. I'll attach it and I'm, I'm going to watch it. Basically what I talk about is that I, I, I probably could have looked it up. Probably could have. I, frankly, I don't think I knew that you did a TED talk until today. Eh. I knew I saw your posts about it, but I just assumed that you were going to see Chelsea Kiefer's TED talk. Oh no, I was her coach. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so I did one last year and then, and then I was on the, I was a performance curator. Yeah. So like I, I, I review the cool. applicant applications for cool. the performing artists. Cool. Um, and Chelsea was one of the applicants yeah, yeah, and yeah. she had a really strong, um, audition reel and yeah. uh and so yeah I, just, I I connected the dots all wrong like because I hit, I met Chelsea first I interviewed Chelsea uh-huh. and then I interviewed Nick and then Nick was like I know Chelsea and then I saw she went, Nick yeah Nick actually performed with Kelsey uh, or I, Chelsea excuse yeah. me on on that and but I was in the wings like yeah, helping so I, prepare I had this idea that you guys were all involved in this together which that is was accurate. totally coincidental yeah yeah but nevertheless kind of accurate in the yeah, sense yeah. that um you were kind of your guys are roommates he's plays with ballet west mm. so i think i just the th- the fact that i knew was that she was doing one uh yes and yes, then yes. i just was yes. like they're all friends so. so she actually yeah she wanted to uh perform a piece in 
in the lineup and then we said hey can you talk about it yeah. more and so she had that two minute blurb and yeah. we helped edit and write cool. it and so cool. um she she did a fantastic job as you'll see it comes out in december cool. and uh oh my god it made me cry this yeah. her performance with um her partner um Hatrio and uh nick on piano was they're all stunning and Chelsea's I got to hear is, her talk about it. So oh yeah, we, she told we talked about it on the podcast. But yes, that's right, yeah. that's right. Uh, yeah, she's a remarkable human being. So yeah. what I found is that most human beings are remarkable human <laughs> beings. Yes, I really think that. Like, yes, that and again, that's why like I like talking so much about these developmental years because I feel like that's where a lot of that stuff is. Like mm-hmm. the older we get, I think the more like because we're more comfortable with ourselves some of those things that are crazy about our lives, like they're not, we don't talk, we stop talking about them as much. Yeah. Um, because it can most crazy to us. Yeah. Some of those things. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's like the reason this is kind of the first time I'm like really thinking about this, but, um, but yeah, I, I think I, I like talking to people about their developmental years. Cause I find that like, I just, I'm never not, I'm never not interested. Sure. Um, it's so, uh, crucial all the little things make yeah, up big you th- make you big ripple effects yeah. Yeah. yeah okay so this um this whole topic of like artifice yes um again i know this word kind of means like what we're hiding yes but i feel very like my personal thought about it is like it's just what is hidden whether mm-hmm. or not it's like on purpose mm-hmm. um and, and whether or not it's like even hidden hidden or just we don't see it. Sure. Cause there's plenty of stuff that's not hidden that we just don't see. Sure. Right. So, um, so I love to talk with people about their relationship with art and even just like these things that you just mentioned kind of casually of like, am I a teacher? Am I a dancer? Like that is the stuff that I like never want to stop talking about. I love it more <laughs> than anything. Like I'm, I'm interested in like the art that you're making, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love talking about these, like, what are we privately wrestling with as mm-hmm. like, who am I as an artist? Um, how does my, my artist identity reflect? Like, do, do I get to claim it yes. only if I'm making certain kinds of art? Yeah. Um, and everyone's definitions vary yeah. of what, you know, <laughs> and what is art? Like, yeah. I mean, am I, am I making, am I making art just because like I'm living in an artist's brain and like, yeah. and know, what constitutes the word artist? Like once I get paid to do it and how frequently and, right. um, is so, it my soul living? Like all these, all totally. these questions. So I think one thing that I'm feeling is like a little bit unique about you just in the context of the people I've interviewed. So, um, is you, you have, you're at the very beginning of your professional career, but you have this total wealth of, um, like artistic experience, um, like from just being around professional musicians since you were tiny and having these really, really rich and deep experiences and, uh, with like these, Colombian dancers, um, like having this kind of self-advocacy, going to the performing arts school, all of that stuff is like professional types of experience, Sure, but you're a child. So like, we don't (laughs) think about it like that. Right. Right. So I'm curious how you feel like having had that experience, but also like in a really practical way, being at the beginning of like your adult professional career, Mm -hmm. like what just, 
what are your thoughts about like what is art what is my identity as it relates to art like what are what are you kind of what <laughs> do are you, you have wrestling a five, five with? more hours to be here <laughs> I, I do like ah! I mean I like I'm such a long form junkie like sure I mean I'm not I'm like I'm kidding a little bit because like whatever but yeah but no like if you're like I want to talk about this more we I'm can do happy a part to two. I think but. it's messy and I think it's um sometimes controversial yeah and very personal yeah and that what I say here today may change of next course. week yeah um and like, I, I feel oddly vulnerable answering some of these questions because I am not in a confident place in my artistic life where I'm like, I, this is my identity and this yeah. is what I do. And I, love it. I, um, I definitely feel a little bit discombobulated, especially since I did not take the traditional conventional path that yeah. a dancer is quote unquote supposed to yeah, take like auditioning for companies is that right. what you mean there is yeah. a prescribed version of success which is valid and wonderful and maybe I will pursue that at some yeah. point if that is if I am if that is what I, the path I decide to choose um after the one I'm on yeah. uh, or in tandem with the one I'm on because I have so much time um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh can, can you say like what feels vulnerable about it like okay first I just want to I just want to like like preface yes this exact thing of like I don't know this is like this this is the story that I think is like this artifice thing which again like I don't mean this in an active way sure like of like this is artificial like that's not at all how no. I'm thinking of it but like just just by just by nature of like logistics we we show the stuff that's decided and we show the stuff that's finished of course where we know as artists that we live in this like i have no Unfinished. idea we yeah. live there yeah and we don't we we don't talk about it and it's not because we're trying to hide things it's just because no. it's like it's not malicious but it is very vulnerable to to uh, take ownership of being a work in progress yeah totally yeah but that's like i think it's also radical it's <laughs> yes. like so powerful to be like i don't know and nevertheless, yes. like, so I, I'm wondering if you could, if you could articulate, like, I mean, maybe we kind of just did, but like why it feels vulnerable. Like, can you be more specific about like what's like at risk or sure. what feels at risk? Yeah. I think that I feel this, um, I think I have this fear of identifying with something too quickly that could potentially read as insulting to someone who has done it for years right like oh I'm a I'm a I don't know like if you were to say like I am a dancer like okay even th even that I like struggle with yeah. and I've been studying it my whole life yeah. and yeah. yet in the presence of you know a company artist from a large touring company I would feel um nervous confidently owning that yeah. title because I don't train in that context every day. Yeah. Um, and my living income comes from being an educator at this point in my life. Yeah. Um, and I feel this tension of, uh, there's like, I feel like there's a, a stigma, unfortunately around arts education. Totally. There's this, 
awful saying that I just loathe and despise. It's from which School is, of Rock, Those Who Can't Do Teach. Yes. I read your mind. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I just wish I could, yeah. I could make it tangible and burn it. Oh my gosh. I could talk about this for a thousand years. Because I, I, I find so much joy mm-hmm. in sharing yeah. the joy of dance yeah. and sharing the joy of the craft. Yeah. And, but I feel like, can I, can I, can I truly savor this without the little, mu- little yeah. voice in the back of my mind saying you're settling yeah. because of the stigma Mm-hmm. of like, well, you aren't on stage. Yeah. And, and, and I've talked with this about f- to friends and family and they're like, but you, you actually don't love being on stage. Like it gives oh you a gosh. lot of anxiety. I have so many thoughts about this. Yeah, please. Can I tell, can I please. tell you my thoughts as a person who's a decade older than you? Um, <laughs> please. I mean, cause it's only a decade, which is not even, you know, but like, no, it's, but I, I'm, I'm, these things that you're saying are so what I was dealing with when I was your age. Sure. Um, and still, so I'll tell you, like, I'll, I'll just give you my experience, which maybe is not at all what will happen with you. Uh-huh. But yeah, I felt a lot the same way when I finished, I have a master's degree in jazz studies, mm-hmm. jazz performance. Um, but I also like at the time that I was in school, um, you know, I had all of this PTSD stuff that I was not dealing with. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think wrapped up in some of that stuff, just as a result, I also didn't love performing. Like, yeah. um, but I love the music. I love the music. I love making the music. Yes. I felt sometimes really weird about making the music in front of, like, I felt really conflicted about what it meant. Like, mm-hmm. am I doing this? to entertain people am i doing this to try to prove some kind of level of competency yes um the motive is yeah so important to listen to and it really affected how i felt about it if i felt and i still feel like this um if i felt like preoccupied like in the middle of a gig if i if i feel and felt i'm 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 I have new strategies for this now, but if yeah, I, please if, feel free to share any, yeah. if any. I felt um, preoccupied by like, what do my bandmates think? Yeah. If I felt preoccupied about what does this mean? What is this saying about my career? Um, how are, is the audience seeing what I'm doing? Like if I felt preoccupied by that stuff, making the music was miserable to me sure um but if I didn't feel preoccupied by that things I did actually love performing yeah um anyway all this to say from the time that I started um my degrees I knew I wanted to teach I love teaching um Mm -hmm. I had crappy parents and so my teachers were like your mentors yeah and I think like in the same way that maybe some people feel like I love my parents and I want to be a parent um, I kind of felt like I love my teachers and I want to be a teacher. That's beautiful. Um, thank you. I feel beautiful about it as well, but, um, I knew I wanted to teach. And so what, it never was a thing for me of like those who can't do teach. It was like, how could I not be teaching? Like, that's how it felt to me. Sure. Which I feel like you feel like that. Yeah. I, I definitely, uh, education is a whole discipline that I am just scraping the surface of in the last year too of course it's its own medium it is it's it's you know pedagogy is such a an expansive ever-evolving ever-changing to the times medium of of interact I mean there's so many layers to it that involve human connection much like 
art does, um, especially performing arts. Um, and it is very collaborative as many performing arts are. And so go ahead. Yeah. Oh, it just, it requires a lot of the same skills that kinesthetic empathy or like a dance specifically does, but, um, or just empathy. And I was going to say, it's that same empathy muscle we were talking about before. Yes. And so, okay. So when I finished college, I was performing a bit but mostly I was teaching a ton. Yes. And I felt like I felt a lot of impostery kinds of feelings about, sure. can I call myself a musician? Just like the same stuff you're talking yeah. about. And in retrospect, what I can see, and it's only a little retrospect, like I, it's, it's only a decade, which is like, I still feel like it's so little like in the grand <laughs> scheme, but in this decade's worth of retrospect, what I can see is, I just wasn't ready to like fully embody the art that I wanted to make. And I, I don't know that this is your situation, but it was almost like I just needed, I need to, I needed to work out some things. Yes. And I knew, I think w- what I feel is that the way that my mind felt then mm-hmm. when I wasn't doing that much, like I wasn't writing a lot. I wasn't releasing music. Yeah. Um, I was performing a bit, but it wasn't, like high art performance. Sure. I was teaching a lot. What I can say is that my artistic mind felt the same to me. Yes. Well, which I think is the biggest clue. Right. And now I'm doing a lot of like, like, you know, what I sometimes call like capital a art, which is like for you really just making, like making the stuff that feels like, um, like this is really what I, what I am making. Like where like teaching art, is making art kind of but it's very like it's art but it's not it's like i'm making i'm helping I'm it's very tailored someone for a specific art. goal yeah 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 or like i'm making art performing at someone's wedding which is it's just not like it's not just my voice sure um so i think like you know writing and performing original music that feels like my capital a art yeah but what I know is that like teaching feels a lot the same. Yes. It feels the same. So I have been so interested in dance as a wide scope of uh, like a, a huge field. Like it's not just, you know, ju- not just the codified technique. I'm interested in pedagogy and fashion and yeah. photography and yes. screen, yeah. like video and all these different facets of it. Even if it's just scraping the surface of each, like each mm-hmm. area. And, um, and so this time out of college, I've kind of tried to expand in some of those different areas, like, like public speaking with TEDx or, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, teaching Pilates at the University of Utah, yeah. like working with it for cross training for ballet majors and just kind of experimenting with, with that a little bit more. Um, and yeah, I like some modeling for dancewear. Like I've yeah. been really interested in how, um, dancewear gets made and cool. what they're looking for. And cool. I'm, and I, I honestly, when I got out of school, the first thing I was like, Oh my God, what I, so one thing I really need help with is teaching little kids. Like, I don't know how to, do, I mean, yeah. I, I'm good with kids, but teaching kids dance pedagogically, it's, it, it doesn't matter if you're good with kids, like you gotta have different strategies. Sure. Yeah, of course. Uh, there, it's a whole different beast. And so, um, that's kind of what I dove into. Cause I was like, this is not my comfort zone. So I need to get good at it. Awesome. So now that's like what I do a lot now. Yeah. Um, it's, I've kind of just like extended my education <laughs> into yeah. my job. I love it. Um, but 
I, I have had interest in going back into more rigorous training for dance performance. And I, I truthfully was, was talking to a therapist about this and I was like, well, I want to make sure that I'm doing it for the right reasons. Cause I have, you know, my whole life, you feel like I haven't been doing it for the right reasons. I've been escaping this or that, you know, yeah. like my dad, I think everything with my dad and my mom. And, and, uh, then in college I felt like I just, I, I had such an abusive relationship with my body and the yeah. way that I talked to myself about my body yeah. that I wanted it to be more positive and um, kind of the wisdom gleaned from that particular session was there's always going to be something you might as well just get started yeah. and you know I always I do try to subscribe to the philosophy of go before you're ready which is why I teach kids now Amen. <laughs> like yeah. for almost full time but um but yeah, I definitely feel like I have put a lot of roadblocks on myself to like, here's why I can't do it yet. Yeah. And I'm still navigating what it is that I want, which is why I'm in, I have my yeah. finger in so many Totally. Dips. Well, <laughs> I think maybe part of what I didn't say about how I feel about it, I kind of talked around it, but I think that like, it's easy to look in this kind of like micro way of like, what are we producing? Like mm -hmm. we're making art that is like, I'm, I'm dancing in this role and I'm, you know, or like I'm putting out this, these many singles or whatever. But some of us, I think just, we're just, we're just working in like a bigger, longer project. Yeah. And like in order, like for me, I'm putting out this music now that like, I know that I wouldn't have been able to make this stuff that I'm freaky proud of um, if I hadn't spent those years teaching. Like I needed to do it. Like it wasn't like it. I, th I think this is what I'm trying to say. It wasn't that I was teaching and then making this capital A art. Mm -hmm. It was all it was all part of it. And so hearing you talk about how you are you're you're thinking about how it is photography involved, like how is film involved um, what about like exercise? Like where are mm -hmm. the lines between like Pilates and yoga and dance and, you know, whatever. And you're thinking about the costuming. Um, I, I can totally see this as the beginning of some kind of, you know, high art, you know, thing that you do mm -hmm. that people might later see as something detached from these things, but that like to you, like you, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you are working on that stuff. I think you, I think you so. are in the middle of a project. Yeah. It's interesting. I've never thought about it as an artistic project or like I'm working on a future choreography by learning these things. I think of it as just like a continued education yeah. that I get to control. I think that's what I mean though. Like I, cause I, I think my point is like, it's not, I'm not trying to say that like your future, you know, choreographed or whatever yeah. is like about this. No, but like, no, but this just, informs that. Yeah. Like you're following your curiosity and you're mm -hmm. following like kind of this immediate, like stretching of the comfort zone. And I think it's a mistake for anyone to act like, well, this is this and that is that. Right. I and I, but point. I find insecurity in that because there really isn't a title for that or a label right. in that, or it doesn't mean it's not it. in a square, right? Yeah. It's not like I'm working toward a degree and I'm, yeah. I'm doing different rotations right. and different aspects. And I think, I don't know, I, this is all like on my own time and, yeah. and my own initiative, which is really awesome in a lot of ways, but I, yeah, it's hard to talk about it. It's hard to 
prove it to anyone. It's hard to, you know, if people yeah, ask you like... Not that I need like, to prove myself, but like, I think in some ways there is a need for validation and that's just fundamental 100%. to the human or condition. Even just like, like, if someone asks you like, I mean, I struggle with this a lot. If someone asks me like, what are you working on? Oh, and I'm like, um, and then like uh, personally the, or the fact that you can't in therapy or right. but that's all like part it's connected. Of it. And like the fact that it's not an easy question to answer sometimes yeah. makes you feel like you're not doing enough. You can't, or? Yeah. Or like if you can't explain it, like someone else won't take you seriously. And then like, should I take myself seriously? So I get that. I mean, yeah. it's not about like needing validation it's more just like if i can't talk about what i'm doing like what am i doing like right am i just floundering or settling or am i learning yeah is this productive to my goals and what are my goals the truth is like you don't know and i wish that i do like i wish that i did and i felt like i've had so many different goals but at this point my goal is to just learn learn as much as i can great and um I'm like, even I can tell my body language right now. I'm like really tense because I feel insecure <laughs> about that. No, that's not you. That's just awesome. me. I'm trying to be uncomfortable yeah. to get to, to tr- stay true to the answer of yeah. your question. I know it's hard, but I like it. I mean, I, the way that I see it is like, it's so freaking brave. It's so brave. And it's so clear to me that it's art because I think art lives in your mind. Like I mm. think art is like a way of thinking and a way of seeing and a way of questioning um and like after we've done that like sometimes we make things that other people can see yeah um and sometimes like it's in your brain and maybe it's just in your brain for like two decades like Mm -hmm. i don't i i doubt that's what i i doubt that's what's gonna happen with you um because you seem very like i just anyway my point is just like don't feel bad about it i mean i get why you feel bad about it (laughs) it's not even bad i just i don't even totally i haven't unpacked why I'm why this makes me so anxious yeah um, that's what I mean just bad as in like just yeah. like don't feel icky about it sure absolutely <laughs> I don't know I try to live by this f- philosophy of like why is my body doing this it's neither good nor bad information it's just information yeah and I can do with that what I totally want. anyway well I think it's cool I think it's extremely clear that you are thinking in an artistic way and that like you are you are making things like you are, you are making connections with your students. Um, you did a Ted talk, (laughs) like you're facilitating other people, like making Ted talks and doing things that are really cool. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, all of these things are just like, this is what I mean. Like, we don't like to see these like little pieces, these like miniature art projects, sure, these tiny little things that like connect the dots between like our, our works that we like our landmark works that we, that's the capital A that I talk, you know, like these works that we go like that you, the stuff you put on your resume, the highlight reel. Totally. Yes. But like we have these teeny tiny little art projects, which is, you know, for me, it's decorating this room. And for me, it's like, cooking something and for me it's like having a new light bulb with how I teach a concept to a student sure and all of that stuff builds up into the point where I can write an album or I can Mm. and 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 I am a fan of telling the story of it's all this stupid stuff like it's Mm -hmm. all these little things that like contribute in these big ways yeah I think to refer back to your um 
your question of like, what am I wrestling with? And what is, what is this discomfort that I feel? Um, I think that I am just trying to like validate that the unprescribed path is still a, a successful one. Totally. And, um, and that there is validity in that. And I can like, I can accept myself yes. as an artist in that, which is, I feel like terrified saying that out loud, yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, I know it's true in my heart, but I, I don't know. I want to articulate that. I feel the need to articulate that in a diplomatic way that like appeases all parties, which yeah. is maybe not even possible, but, um, well, yeah, I mean, I totally know what you mean. Like, yeah. it's not to say that, like, the ballet company is wrong. Like, no. of course. And I, my goal is to get to an unapologetic place with it. Yeah. Um, or find the words with which I, I feel unapologetic about yeah. how I identify in in a given arts community yeah. or in a community at large. Yeah. But a lot of my guests talk about, like, it's it's a recurring theme. People will talk about, like, you have to make the art that only you can make. Sure. And I really believe that as much as sometimes it's still something that I wrestle with. Yeah. But I think this is part of it. Like mm -hmm. the, there are things that can only happen when a whole group of dancers unite under a choreographer and a director. Mm -hmm. And there is art that can only happen that way. And so, you know, all of the individual people that make up this big thing mm -hmm. and it, it works the same with symphonies and it works the same with big bands and with mm -hmm. choirs, you know, whatever. Um, each of those individuals like saying like, this is the art that I have to make. Yeah. I have to be p a piece of this. That's as inevitable to like each of those people as it may be as inevitable to me to say like, I don't know if that like pathway that like a lot of my, you know, college peers take like I moving to New York. That's like the thing that jazz studies majors do. Totally. I was never going to do that. Like it just, it's not compatible with like my Your brain. Life. It just <laughs> yeah. isn't like, sure. I, I know I would send myself to an early grave if I lived in New York. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's fast paced in a way that I think I would, I would, um, treat I would abuse it. Like, sure. I think I would treat it like a, a drug, you yeah. know? Um, and I think it's much like, it's much healthier for me. Like, I don't know that like Utah is like, it's the very opposite. And I think I could thrive in somewhere in the middle, but, um, <laughs> you know, like maybe totally like take San me Diego. to Seattle <laughs> yeah, or San Diego. Um, but yeah, I mean, it can, I, I just, I relate to this feeling of like, well, I know I couldn't do that. And, and it's not even mm -hmm. like, I mean, in a, in a very like practical way, like I think, you know, sure. Like, could I go to New York and find work? Like, yes. Mm -hmm. But like, I couldn't do it in the sense that I think Free it would personally. kill something. It, yeah. It would, it, would it doesn't align with your, your, your truest self. Yeah. And then that's important to listen to. And like, if you make the, the choice to go against that instinct, like at least it is still a choice, but you're still listening to your instinct and they, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think well, there's importance to that. Right. And I, and I, and I could, and sometimes have, and sometimes do sure. feel a little bit like maybe I should have just gone for it. Yeah. But when I yeah. really admit when I'm like, when I'm my more higher self, you know, mm -hmm. I know that like, that was never where 
I was going to make the stuff that I'm the most proud of. It sure. just wasn't going to be that. Yeah. So I don't know. My, I think my whole point is like, if we're thinking creatively and we're thinking about art, there are going to be people who do this and there are going to be people who do that. And like, isn't that the point? <laughs> yeah. That, that it, it allows for diversity in the arts, truly, yeah. for people to stick on the path that they feel most inclined to stay connected with, despite yeah. what, uh, standards may be imposed or like you go on one path and then end up on the other one like ain't that the truth you know like <laughs> i had no idea like, that i would be teaching geriatrics like or um geriatric populations yeah for a lot of the time you just don't know and and again you're so young like you could you could in 10 years is such a short amount of time five years is such a short amount of time any number of things could happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, if you had told me in January that we'd be living in a pandemic. Oh, my gosh. I mean. Yeah, taking a snapshot of, like, one month or one year or yeah. even one decade of your life is just, like, irresponsible. <laughs> you can't do it. It is. It, it is. is irresponsible. I think that is the best uh, word I've, used, I've heard to describe that. Yeah. 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 I've never thought it before, but I'm thinking it now. It <laughs> yeah. makes sense. It is. It is. Because it... Um, it's not giving the context yeah, or it's not providing any context or, and yeah. it's totally ignoring what could be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think we've about done it. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> I don't have that, anything profound that's, off the no, top that's of why, my I mind. I just want to like give you the chance if you like, if there's anything that you're like, but it's fine. Yeah. Uh, um, thank you for having me on the podcast i really appreciate it yeah i loved it well don't worry i have like a little ending question oh, i'm yeah, just sure i'm giving you this space before we like do the end okay so if we like we'll wrap it up sure so i feel like if you were just like thanks bye right now that would feel like oh no we would both feel like what i think if i had to leave like any imparting messages or missions i would just say that my goal as a as a person whose career is in dance at large. Yeah. Um, one of something I'm really passionate about is dance accessibility, mm. which is, um, making sure that people have access to a high quality education, yeah. um, despite socioeconomic status, uh, age, yeah. ability, race, gender, yeah. anything to that effect. I, I have one qu follow-up question for yeah. you for that. Um, what are your thoughts about like why dance is important for people? people's or individuals like well yeah I think that's that's a great question because it is important for everyone um because it has so much to offer outside of just how many tantus can you do it's um dancing is fundamental to the human condition yeah babies start wiggling and bouncing before they can even walk and when we grow up we start to unlearn these efficient ways of moving yeah. and suppress our desire to groove and exist in a in a physical way because um I think bodily intelligence has been stigmatized for a long time yeah um and it kind of I, I believe it stems from this kind of ancient Greek philosophy, this Socratic outlook of, I think, therefore I am. And so there's this hierarchy that intellectual intelligence, um, is much greater than kinesthetic, kinesthetic intelligence or bodily yeah. intelligence. Um, 
that idea that our body really is just a vessel to take our brains from right. meeting to meeting, which is simply false. Right. Um, there is so much intelligence to be gained from having a dialogue with your body and truly listening to you to what's happening inside of your skin, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And um I think everyone has the capacity to do that. Dance is one of those keys that unlocks that somatic that internal knowledge yeah. and that internal awareness. Yes, the awareness. Um and so yeah, I think that's probably why I'm so passionate about it is about accessibility is because it is a really valuable skill set that everyone has the capacity to to harness and yeah. and have but um unfortunately arts education is sometimes expensive and um and, and anytime that m money is a factor it is inevitably a racial issue and um I yeah yeah I I just I the point is is I think that dance is extremely valuable yeah. because it informs you about yourself your body it's and the world around you and totally. so that's why I think people should again, have access to it it's that it's that paradigm shift again of like there's this whole other way to be mm -hmm. um it's not that quite the same but I feel really similarly about singing like you said we we unlearn how to move intuitively like yes that happens with singing like we unlearn how to breathe sure like, I, I get freaked out when I think about that. Like we, we like living in our culture mm -hmm. takes away our ability to breathe yeah. ergonomically. That makes sense. It's insane. Like what is more vital than your breath? Yeah. And yeah. like living, like just w watching our society, it makes us forget how to breathe. Yes. That's. It, crazy it it oh I could get so <laughs> on one about it and same no, thing I like, like our passion. physical voices like our mm -hmm. like our I mean I it's it's a little bit different because the voice is a bit more abstract than you know just living in your body but it is the way that we communicate like our mind mm -hmm. and our thoughts and our and ourselves to others um verbally anyway like there's plenty of nonverbal communication of course um but when people have all of these like pathologies and like um misalignments mm -hmm. and like excessive use of musculature and like inefficient use of musculature informing every single word they say and every communication that they have yeah what effects is that having and like I feel like that's the same thing you're Absolutely. saying like when we forget how to be in our bodies yeah. like that has effects that are so big yes. that has effects in like how we read each other how we yes. communicate how we feel confidence how we feel empathy absolutely and going back to this bodily uh this uh, bodily, what's the word I'm looking for? Like intelligence or? Yeah, um, uh, capabilities, you're just kind of. Facility? Maybe? Yes, yeah. I th yes, that's what I'm looking for. Ha just having ownership of your body is tremendously empowering. Yeah. Um, and that's why I'm so interested in Pilates. I have I have a certification in classical Pilates and yeah. um, and so Joseph Pilates, who founded that methodology, actually uh, originally coined it 
controlology, the study and art of control. Yeah. So control of your facilities, of your yeah. body, um, because there is tremendous empowerment to be gained from having autonomy and choice in what your body does and doesn't do. Yeah. And there are really healing qualities to that, especially if you have a background where you haven't always had a lot of choice yeah. in what your body does and doesn't do. Yeah, totally. So. Oh my gosh, this is a whole new conversation. I'm just going to touch on it a little because <laughs> I'm so like and now just at the very end of this conversation, finding out that we both are on one about this stuff. But like, it's the same thing with voice. Like it just when we're talking about our speaking voices, um, which like, you know, speech and singing have a very similar relationship as mm -hmm. like dance and just being like sure. just sitting, standing, walking. The synergy is right. so apparent. Yeah. So with speech, um, we will kind of subconsciously make our voices sound like the people that we're talking to. Mm. Our voices will change based on whether we in a given room are in a position of authority or not. Yes. Our gender performance vocally is really like screwy sometimes. Oh my gosh. Yes. So this idea of control and awareness and control over your facilities it is so powerful. And I don't mean in an abstract way. I mean, like, and I know that's how you way. mean it too. Like, mm -hmm. like, you know, realizing that someone is trying to intimidate you mm -hmm. and letting your voice not get intimidated and letting your posture mm -hmm. not get intimidated means maybe you don't get intimidated. Sure. Like that, th those things literally like just you going like, why am I fidgety? Or like, yes. like just having the awareness of that. Or like, why is my, like, why is my voice like doing this? Like this right. is a fear response and this is a stress response. Um, clocking that because, because the only way you can clock it is if you have that awareness. Absolutely. And then clocking it and going like, I'm doing this. What does it mean? What can I do about it? What should I do about it? It gives you more choice. It gives you more choices. Yes. Because you don't, you don't leave a room going, what happened? Why do I feel this way? And it's, yeah, you're, it's that way you're not put in a position where you're helpless. Right. And in that very moment, you can stand up and hold your head up. And it's not to say that, you know, posture or vocal control solves all of our problems, but like it, it might, solves a lot of them. <laughs> it, yeah, it might yeah. change the way that you talk to your boss. It yes. might change the way that you stand up you know, that you stand up for yourself, which really, really does have tangible results in your life and how yes, absolutely. you treat people and how Jay, they treat you. Mm -hmm. And you can probably also like you, you are going to view humans in such an, an empathic way because you know how to look for those kinds of like, you know, and then you can go like this person is behaving aggressively, but like, I can tell that they're scared. Sure. Yeah. Which I feel like I know stuff like that about voices too. Like, yeah, I can hear There's a lot of overlap in anthropology, like yeah. in bio. Right. Evolution. I can hear people talking and be like the, the words that this person is saying is not matching uh, like what's going on with their voice. And it's not that it's like a crystal ball, but no, it but at least makes me like maybe change the questions that I'm asking. Sure. It at least makes me like, I think I'm perceptive and intuitive in a different way because I have that knowledge. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a really valuable skill set. Even now, like the way that we're sitting is very, um, mirroring each other. Yeah. Like it's very empathetic. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to make you change. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I just, it's just this idea that like we are empathizing with one another right. on a verbal and like, um, yeah 
vocal level yeah. or excuse me maybe not vocal and tone I but like it, i mean i think we are but yeah but now physically too like our bodies are naturally mirroring each other and that there's like there's kinesthetic empathy there right and totally and we like, do the, we do the same thing with our voices yes like if if um i watch it happen like we know that like vocal fry is like a thing yeah and vocal fry <laughs> vocal totally fry is like a very disempowered <laughs> feminine voice like oh. vo- vocal fry happens like you know chicken or the egg with some of this stuff but like like part of what's happening with a vocal fry and female voices in in american culture is like we're trying to make our voices more masculine but Hmm. it doesn't actually work because they lose all their power when they're down in that range they're no longer resonant and when i find myself talking to other women who are speaking down there if i don't like their voices will come up and match me sure um it doesn't always happen but like I know they feel better. Like Aww. I know that they do, you know, yeah. so it's just like little things. And I think it's the same way. Like if you, if you have great posture, like that is going to affect your emotional you health, move your body in the, in a way that's like really open and really like, like you said, like taking up space, mm-hmm. like that gives subtle permission because we mirror as a species, mm-hmm. it gives subtle permission for your little students and yeah. your geriatric students yes. to do that too. Yes. It's awesome. Yes. I love it. Yes. Okay. I ask everybody at the end, what's your dream collaboration? Okay. So this is a difficult question because I find that uh, the collaborations that I've enjoyed most in my life are never the ones that I think I want hmm. because I can't even imagine that kind of spontaneity. Um, but... Uh, Oh, this is such a hard question. Uh, you can, you can just, it's just today's answer. Okay. I started doing this in March when COVID kind of hit. Um, but I started working with uh, motion capture and dance and I've been really interested cool. in, um, in that overlap, that digital integration cool. of how can, um, motion capture inform dance and dance inform motion capture. And for anyone who doesn't know what that is, uh, motion capture is a type of, um, digital entry input where you basically put on the suit and you have different data points cool. on your body. And, um, these 3d cameras around the room will, uh, take the information of how those points that are typically, placed on your joints, um, how they interact in space with one another and therefore it maps out your body in, um, in an animated way on a, on a 2d or 3d software. Cool. Yeah. Um, I had a, I interviewed in episode four, a video game animator who (gasps) who talked about that. No way. Yeah. Yeah, I was working with some video game animators for this. Yeah. Cause, cause yeah, but I love this idea that like one affects the other Mm -hmm. in in either direction. That's really interesting. And it's, oh man, seeing my own body on screen in that way was very interesting for me because it gives very limited information. So it doesn't tell me anything about what my muscles are doing. I mean, it does a little bit in some ways, but you can infer it. Right. But like, it told me only where my joints were in relationship to each other, which I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize my alignment was, was this way or that way yeah. that I wouldn't have been able to see without those, just seeing those points and not right. any of the space between, right. um, w- that usually has my attention. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'd be I, really curious to know, like, I'd, I'd be curious about like gender presentation in that, like, how oh. can you tell, like 
how you know how quickly or like can people tell like the gender of a person based on yeah i'd be curious like how much our joints perform gender yeah i would say like the width of hips oh that would tell you enough um yeah but not the movement itself i get so interested in those kinds of things that's now that's interesting as a person who studies movement i'm sure it would be like interesting to infer or like yeah it would be mostly yeah that would be a really interesting experiment to just see the lines and see yeah. see like so you couldn't see a hip width but like just the movement itself. right yeah right like is this someone who moves in in a more quote-unquote yeah totally feminine energy I'm, or masculine I get so energy curious way. about that stuff just because it is so it's not that it it's not that it's not identity it just depends on how you identify but um, but how we perform it, like yeah. as a language, like in what are what are the ways that we? I think about that with voice a lot, like how we perform gender, yes, or how gender identifiers affect our use of our physical voices. Oh, sure, uh huh. Like that vocal fry thing. Like, there's a reason you don't hear men doing that. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it happens in like American culture, and like you don't hear, or I mean at the time that I was like studying this stuff in college, you don't hear vocal fry as much in like Asian countries, maybe more so as it's like, yeah. we're more global. Sure. But just because like gender, gender performance is just different. Hmm. It's that so is really interesting. interesting. I, I hear a lot of it being from Southern California, like LA. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone there, it's but- very American. Oh, I yeah. think you also don't really hear it in the same way in like South American cultures. Hmm. Um, Cause it, it's, it, it's very, it's very like American female masculinized. Like I don't like making our voices like lower. Interesting. Um, even if it's not like, I don't know it like, you know, with everything it like takes a turn and then it becomes like this like particular brand of femininity. Sure. But it's rooted maybe in like, take me seriously. I will yeah. try to make my voice like lower. Yes. Yes. Um, anyway, it, all this to say, I find this very interesting. As do I. I'd <laughs> love to continue this conversation about it. You at know, dinner. I look forward to the next. Yeah. yeah yes. Dinner. To our next round. <laughs> and then finally tell everybody where to find you. Oh, yes. Okay. So um, I'm in the process of constructing a website, jessicabaines.com. It should be published by the time this episode comes out. Cool. Um, B-A-Y-N-E-S. That's correct. Yep. That's me. And then my Instagram handle is at jessicabaines underscore. And... Um, yeah, those are the two main places to find me and just look up Jessica Bain's TED Talk and it should come up. Awesome. Yeah. I am so loving this conversation and I love having met you and thanks for being here. This Likewise. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from my album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel and ad segment music by Jerem Hansen. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.